the end of Mark chapter 2 is a story of Jesus getting into a dispute over the Sabbath and carries on into the opening of Mark chapter 3. Sabbath controversies pop up a lot in stories about Jesus, and so it's important to understand what the big deal behind them was. The Sabbath is number four of the Ten Commandments that God handed down to Moses in Exodus chapter 20. Do no work. It's supposed to be a day of rest for Israel because God himself, he rested from his work after creating the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. So by keeping the Sabbath, Israel was upholding the created order and they're celebrating God's mastery over it. Rabbinic tradition holds that anyone who celebrates the Sabbath becomes a partner with God in creation and in bringing salvation to the world. So it's very important in the mind of the Pharisees and the scribes that Jesus is interacting with. The question is, though, how do we define work? We could put it in simple terms and just define it as, okay, anything you do for a living for a set amount of hours during the week is forbidden. But then what about housework, like cooking or doing laundry? Is a doctor working if he's performing CPR on someone who's at risk of drowning? The Pharisees and other religious groups of the Jews, they answered these questions in a lot of different ways, and all of them were beyond burdensome. The first Sabbath controversy at the end of Mark chapter 2 is over the disciples plucking grain and eating it. The Pharisees would say, no, 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 that's harvesting, and harvesting is work. The second controversy is in Mark 3, 1 through 6, where Jesus heals a man's withered arm. The Pharisees would once again say, I don't think so. You can save someone from dying on the Sabbath, but you can't do anything else to improve their condition. That's work. Well, Jesus responds to the first charge of his disciples working by calling to mind the example of David. In Mark chapter 2, verses 25 through 27, he said to him, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests, and also gave some to his companions? Then he told him, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Jesus points to an episode of David's life when he was on the run from his enemy. As he was in the wilderness, he and his men, they're hungry, and in their desperation, they eat bread from the tabernacle, which they have no authorization to eat. The point that Jesus is making here is that human need was more important than keeping the bread for the priest. Likewise, when Pharisees forbid anyone from plucking grain on the Sabbath, they're forbidding the poorest of the land from going through the fields to find themselves a meal. They have a human need, and the Pharisees are trying to deny them that. Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man and was put in place to give him rest and make life better and more enjoyable. The Pharisees' interpretation had made it into a burden. The second Sabbath controversy over healing the man's withered arm shows this same concern. Is it lawful to do good or to do evil, Jesus asks. For Jesus, the man's sickness became a moral imperative to him. Because he had the power to do good, he must. It wasn't just permissible to heal on the Sabbath, it was right to heal on the Sabbath. The Pharisees, they'd become so wrapped up in their own interpretation of the law that they had forgotten that the law was given to address very human needs and to promote life. They had perverted it into an obstacle course of red tape that prevented anyone from enjoying its blessings. And in a twist of irony, the Pharisees themselves have no issue in plotting to do evil by conspiring to kill Jesus. Now, as we move on through Mark chapter 3, it isn't just our perception of the law that Jesus reshapes. He's also transforming our view on the family as well. 
In Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19, we're given a list of men that Jesus called to himself to become apostles. Now, we know about more than others, but for today, we're going to focus on two that are often overlooked. Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot, both mentioned in Mark 3.17. Matthew was a tax collector. In fact, we've met him already in Mark chapter 2, when Jesus called Levi the tax collector to follow him. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, we're told the same story, and we find out that Levi is also known as Matthew. Now, as a tax collector, he is among the most despised classes of Israel. He's viewed as a traitor to the nation, and he works to rob the common man of his hard-earned money and to fund their Roman oppressors. And then we have Simon the Zealot. A zealot was someone who opposed Rome with the sword. Their wish was to wage a holy war against the enemy and establish the kingdom of God through force. So you can imagine how these two men might have viewed one another. They're on opposite sides of the spectrum, one working for Rome, the other working to destroy Rome. But both of these men have been called by Jesus. And as they draw nearer to Jesus, they're inevitably going to be drawing closer to each other. Because Jesus redefines the family as those who place him at the center of their lives. In verse 31 through 35, we read that his mother, that's Jesus, and his brothers came. And standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, Look, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is starting a new family, and we can't claim God as our father without also claiming his children as our brothers and our sisters. 